0: we are gathered for worship in worship. We seek God's vision of hope and wholeness and meet the spirit who gives strength to the weary in worship. Our spirits are renewed by God's grace and our hearts are made wide by God's love. Come, let us worship God in this hour that we may live as God's people in days to come. Amen. Welcome. We're glad that you're here this morning, and we welcome you to Community Baptist Church and hope that God's going to bless you in a very special way today. We wel- welcome our guests today, and um, we-, we want you to know that you're very important to us, and we're glad that you're- you have joined us today. We'd like to ask, if you would, to uh, drop by our hospitality table uh, before you leave uh, this morning, and we'd like to give you a gift uh, for-, for coming to be with us today. Uh, so please do that. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask everyone if you would pass that and give us a record of our attendance with us, and give us as much information as you feel comfortable giving to us. And if you, especially if you'd like to receive our email newsletter, please uh, put your email address on there, and we'll be uh, glad to put you on that list. That gives you an opportunity to see what the um, what we're doing here at community as by way of fellowship and ministry opportunities and educational opportunities and worship opportunities Um, it's great to be here with God's people in God's house and it's great to share the love of God with one another so let me invite you to share that love today as we stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord and as we do children come forward for the children's moment Uh, Miss Adele will be up here and uh, we'll have that in just a moment Thank you so much. Children, come on up for the children's moment.
1: you a question. Do any of you have favorite things? You do? Is it a toy? Or a what, what is your favorite thing? Babies?
2: Oh.
1: And anyone else have a favorite thing? My Two of, two of our little granddaughters have blankets that they, they want, can't go to sleep without. Oh, okay, a teddy bear and a blanket. Some people have a favorite book. Well, favorite things make me feel happy. And on my lap, I have one of my very special favorite things from my childhood. Now, when you see this, let me tell you, this is my favorite doll. And she's very, very old. Look at her. Isn't she precious? And you know what? If she were a human being, she could draw Social Security.
2: She's very, very old. Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: Toys, okay. Well... I plan to give this doll to my oldest granddaughter Heather because she asked me for her. And so when she gets a place of her own, she's going to have this doll. My most of my favorite things are old as you might imagine. Like Mr. Jerry. <laughs> but but he he's not a, he's not a thing. He's not a thing. He's my honey. And my favorite person. Something else that's very favorite to me are quilts. Now, even my old doll has a quilt. My aunt made it. And it's very old, too. And then I have quilts here. This one belonged to Greg, our son who just moved to Henderson. And our cat ate the (laughs) the edges off, our cat Suki. But it's still a favorite thing. And this was a quilt that my aunt made for our oldest son, Mark. Well, today, Pastor Tim is preaching from the Apostle Paul's happiest letter, Philippians. And something... Oh, I got so many things here. Ah, here it is. My favorite, favorite shirt. And it says, Life is good. And this shirt has been washed so many times, it must be a record and it hasn't fallen apart. But it says, Life is good. That's what Paul said when he wrote the scripture for today. For me, excuse me, for me to live is Christ. Talking about Christ made Paul happy, even though when he wrote that letter to the Philippians, he was in jail. In Proverbs 17:22, it says, "A happy heart does good like a medicine." In Matthew, 1427 it says be of good cheer and in Thessalonians we read in everything give thanks now a famous writer Ralph Waldo Emerson said write it on your heart every day is the best day of the year and always remember what my shirt says life is good Life is good. In Jeremiah 29, it says, I know the plans I have for you, says God. They are plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. God wrote that for all of us. Life is good every day of the year. And as we close, listen to this little song. About today's scripture. For me to live is Christ, to die is game, to trust in God to guide me every day. There is no peace, no joy, no thrill like being in God's will. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And each one of us is God's favorite person. Life is good. Enjoy the day.
3: Our scripture reading today is Philippians 1, verses 21 through 27a. For me, living is Christ and dying is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which I prefer. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be, to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. Since I am convinced of this... I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy and faith, so that I may share abundantly in your boasting in Christ Jesus when I come to you again. Only live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I am absent and hear about you, I will know that you are standing firm in one spirit, striving side by side with one mind for the faith of the gospel. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, as we go through this journey we call life, we know that to die is to gain your kingdom, but we are, we are to remain here for as long as is necessary to do your work, to bring as many people as we can into your glory. We ask that you give us the courage to do as we are asked, to do what we know is right, And to do so in all the days of our lives. Amen.
2: Father, thank you
1: for this day and this church. Watch over us, Lord, as we listen to your word and be with Dr. Hobbs as he preaches today. As we take up an offering for your church, please let people give freely from their hearts. We ask these things in your heavenly
2: name. Amen. Amen.
3: day to the
0: Wasn't that beautiful? Thank you, choir. You know, it, um, it never ceases to amaze me how creative human beings can be, even at, a, at the time of death. For example, consider some of these epitaphs. Um, one is going to be shown up here on the screen in just a moment. Do we have that one? There it is. I've seen this one before. It is located in Boot Hill in in, uh, Old Tucson, Arizona. And here it says, here lies Lester Moore, four slugs with a 44, no less, no more. There's another epitaph in that same cemetery from a woman that simply says, I told you I was sick. Then there's the grave in Nantucket, Massachusetts, from the 1880s, which bears this epitaph. Under the sod and under the trees, here lies the body of Jonathan Pease. He's not here, there's only the pod. Pease shelled out and went to God. And here's one more that will probably uh, put me in bad standing with some folks, but uh, it's it's pretty humorous there. It's a recent burial and it says, here lies my wife, here let her lie, now she's at rest, and so am I. (laughs) (laughs) Epitaphs normally seek to sum up a person's life in just a few words. So let me ask you something this morning. If you had to sum up your life in just a few words, what would you say? Author Ernest Hemingway was once challenged to prove his skill as an author by writing a story in only six words. And so he responded with these six ingenious words. For sale. Baby shoes. Never worn. It would be very hard to tell a heartbreaking story more succinctly than that. Well, in the tradition of Hemingway, an online literary magazine known as Smith challenged its readers to write the story of their own lives using only six words. And the editors published the best of these responses to their their challenge in in a little volume called Not Quite What I Was Planning, subtitled Six-Word Memoirs by famous and obscure writers. One famous writer, Joyce Carol Oates, submitted these six words. Revenge is living well without you. <laughs> or comedian Stephen Colbert wrote, well, I thought it was funny. Singer Amy Mann summed up her life like this. Couldn't cope, so I wrote songs. The book also contains submissions by obscure writers, and, and one of them I like came from someone named John Kurtz who wrote this. Kentucky trash heap yields unexpected flower." And this one from a 27-year-old man after breaking up with his girlfriend. I still make coffee for two. Or how about this one? Seventy years, few tears, hairy ears. (laughs) (laughs) But I think the best one of all is this one. Cursed with cancer, blessed with friends. The Apostle Paul was writing to the church in Philippi from his prison cell in Rome. And it seems that even while Paul was in prison, he was he was still carrying on his ministry. So he wants the Christians in Philippi to know that what has happened to him, his imprisonment and his persecution has actually helped to spread the gospel. His witness has won converts, even in jail, even among his guards and yet still he knows that his situation is somewhat precarious. He knows that he could be facing death at any moment. And so he begins to, to ponder what this might mean to him. And here's his, his, here's his conclusion. No matter what happens to him, it is a win-win situation. In fact, he sums up his whole situation in what could easily be two four-word memoirs of the Apostle Paul: to live as Christ and to die as gain. Let's begin with that first memoir: to live is Christ. What a wonderful way to sum up the life of the Apostle Paul! Now, at first, Paul had been a persecutor of the Christian church. He actually rounded people up and put them in jail. He held the clothes of, of, uh, of people as they were stoning one of the first martyrs. But when Paul met Jesus along the road to Damascus, he gave himself completely to Jesus. And that's why he had such a profound effect on the development of the early church. That's why so many of his writings can be found in our New Testament today. You see, for for Paul, it could easily be said that to live is Christ. Josh McDowell tells about the time he was uh, visiting with an executive headhunter, a person who recruits corporate executives for for businesses. And he told McDowell about about an experience that he had with a man that he had interviewed recently. He said, when I get an executive that I'm trying to hire for someone, I always like to disarm him. I offer him a drink, I take my coat off, I take my vest off, I undo my tie, I throw my feet up on the desk and talk about baseball or football or family or whatever until he's relaxed. And and then when I think I've got him all relaxed, I lean over, look him in the eye and say, what's your purpose in life? It's amazing how topic executives can fall apart with a question like that. And then he says, I was interviewing this one fellow one time. I had him all disarmed. My feet were up on the desk. We were talking about football. And then I leaned over and I said, what's your purpose in life, Bob? And he said without blinking an eye, to go to heaven and to take as many people with me as possible. For the first time in my career, said this corporate headhunter, I was speechless. Well, this makes me wonder two things. First of all, can we state our purpose in life as briefly as that? And secondly, would our purpose in life contain any reference to God? For example, we might say to leave this world a better place and to glorify Christ in all that we do. Or we might say, to live a life of love following the example of Jesus. Or to use our motto here at Community Baptist, being the presence of Christ and serving the world in need. The question is, is our faith the preeminent decider in choosing our purpose? You may have read about Wesley Britt. Wesley is a six-foot, eight-inch offensive lineman with the New England Patriots. He's a graduate from Alabama, University of Alabama and played for the Crimson Tide there. And in his senior year, he was one of 22 players selected for the Playboy All-American football team. Well, with that honor comes a free week at the Playboy Mansion in California, the opportunity to meet Hugh Hefner himself and the chance to be pampered by real live Playboy bunnies. What college football player wouldn't jump at an opportunity like that? Well, for one, Wesley Britt. He said it just didn't sound like the sort of thing he ought to do. You see, Wesley takes his faith very seriously. He spends a lot of time visiting churches and and schools and and talking with young people about the the importance of faith in, in Jesus Christ. And without sounding prudish, he said that visiting the Playboy Mansion just wasn't the kind of thing he ought to do. Well, as you might expect, he took some ribbing from some of his college buddies and a few of them outright told him that he was crazy and one or two offered to, uh, to wear a disguise and go in his place. Uh, but many, many more have spoken about how much they respect him for his decision. And I don't know about you, but I'm encouraged that there are still young people out there today like Wesley Britt who are that serious about their faith in Jesus. And I think it's a challenge to each of us to strengthen our faith in Jesus Christ. To live is Christ. That is a four-word memoir that sums up the abundant life. And it summed up so well the life that the Apostle Paul lived. But what would you substitute in its place? To live is work? To live is football, basketball, softball, volleyball. To live is my iPod. Surely, surely you can see how shallow that is. I suspect that some of you would say to live is my family. And and certainly our family is very important to us. but, But here's the truth of the matter. There are a lot of people out there who have good jobs and, and wonderful families and fun hobbies who, when it comes to the end of the day, they realize that none of that is enough to satisfy their deep, deepest desires. They find themselves lacking. Maybe you remember the scene from the movie City Slickers, a scene in which the character that Billy Crystal plays is visiting his, his son's school for career day. Uh, Billy Crystal, his character is a salesman in this movie, but obviously he is not happy. He's not fulfilled in his job. He's not fulfilled in his life in any way, and it shows in his attitude. Listen as he unloads on these bewildered children in the school that day. He says, value this time in your life, kids, because this is the time in your life when you still have your choices. It goes by fast. When you're a teenager, you think you can do anything, and you do. Your 20s are a blur. 30s, you raise your family, you make a little money, and you think to yourself, what happened to my 20s? 40s, you grow a little pot belly, you grow another chin. The music starts to get too loud, and one of your old girlfriends from high school becomes a grandmother. 50s, you have minor surgery. You call it a procedure, but it's surgery. Sixties, you'll have major surgery. The music's still too loud, but it doesn't matter because you can't hear it anyway. Seventies, you and your wife retire to Fort Lauderdale. You start eating dinner at two in the afternoon. You have lunch around ten, breakfast the night before. (laughs) Spend most of your time wandering around the malls looking for the ultimate soft yogurt and muttering, how come the kids don't call? How come the kids won't call? Then in the 80s, you'll have a major stroke. You'll end up babbling with some Jamaican nurse who your wife can't stand, but you call mama. And then he turns to the children and asks, any questions? Have a great day. Well, the real question is, is that all there is? Is that it? And the answer to that is that without Christ, that's really... About all there is. Even Ernest Hemingway, who truly had it all. He had it all. He had fame and fortune. He traveled all over the world. Everyone knew his name. He was talented and skilled in his, in his profession. But even he could not cope with the meaninglessness of his life. He could write that beautiful six word story that we quoted a few moments ago, but he could not face his own life. And so on July the 2nd, 1961, at 5 o'clock in the morning, he died from a self inflicted shotgun blast to his head. Is that all there is? And the answer is that without Christ, That really is about all there is. So you see, it's no wonder that that people seek to lose themselves in their work. And it's no wonder that people seek to lose themselves in their recreational activities or lose themselves in drugs or or alcohol, because if that's all there is, then, then life is hardly worth the effort. But listen to this. That is not all there is. To live is Christ. As someone has said, life with Christ is a hopeless end. Or life without Christ is a hopeless end. But life with Christ is an endless hope. I like that. I like that. In his book, The Pursuit of Happiness, Dr. David Myers looks at money and power and fame and all of those other things that the world calls success. And, and in the end, this is what he cl- concludes about happiness. He says that the happiest people are those who are active in their congregations and participate in some form of social ministry serving others. And you know something? That doesn't surprise me a bit. For you see, to live is Christ. But what about the second part of that memoir? To die is gain. Well, that requires a greater faith, doesn't it? Yet it's an integral part of what it means to to follow Jesus. Here, Paul's faith shines through one more time. Listen to his words. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He says, "If I am to go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, yet, what shall I choose? I, I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is, is is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Do you hear that? Paul couldn't lose." If he lived, he knew that he could continue sharing his faith in Jesus. But if he died, he knew that he would, be, he would be going home to be with Christ. So you see, he couldn't lose. It was a win-win situation. It's kind of like a story that I heard about the great evangelist Dwight L. Moody. Apparently, Moody was traveling by boat to cross Lake Michigan one day when a really bad storm came up. The other passengers were really afraid and they even started an impromptu prayer meeting to ask God to save them from this storm. But Moody did not join them in this prayer meeting. And when he was asked why he didn't join them, he said, well, it's simple. I have one sister in Chicago and one in heaven, and I don't care which one I see tonight. Hmm. Well, you know, basically, that's what Paul's saying here. To live as Christ. There's still a lot more to be done. But to die is gain, and I'm going home to be with, with Jesus. Let me conclude with an old fable from Holland about three tulip bulbs. These bulbs were named No, Maybe, and Yes. Someone had placed them in the bottom of a tin to save them until planting time. And one day they were discussing their future as tulip bulbs. No said, as far as I'm concerned, this is it. We've we've come about as far as we're going. And that's all right. I'm content. I don't need anything else. Maybe said, well, maybe there's something more, perhaps, if. If we try real hard, then good things will come to us, good things will happen to us. And maybe tried hard to be all that he could be, but not much really changed. And so he soon gave up altogether. But yes, on the other hand, said, I believe there's something more, but I don't believe it's up to us. I've heard that there is one who can help us to be more than we are if we will simply trust in him. But one day a hand reached down into the tin and to select some bulbs for planting and no one maybe shrank back. But yes, gladly gave himself into the hand of the gardener and, and he could scarcely believe what was happening when he was buried beneath a mound of warm dirt. But when springtime came, yes, burst forth into a radiant flower. He had now become a beautiful tulip. Well, in my mind, this little fable deals with both dimensions of our faith. You see, when we surrender our lives to the master gardener. Our lives become beautiful flowers in this world. But on the other hand, when our when this life is over. And our bodies join the dust of the earth, even then we will be more beautiful than we ever have been before. So you see. To live is Christ. And to die is gain. So let me ask you this morning. If you were to sum up your life in six or eight words, how would it read? To live is to be entertained and to die is to miss it all. To live is all of the things that I want, and to die is to lose it all. It's a sobering thought. and it kind of sum, sums up what we were saying early that, earlier that what, without Christ, why bother? Could we sum up our lives in the way that Paul summed up his life? To live is Christ. To die is gain. I hope and I pray that that is a true statement for all of us here today. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of response just as I am. There may be someone here today who needs to respond. To the work of God's Holy Spirit in your life today. Maybe you feel like one of those uh, tulip bulbs, and you're shrinking back from the hand of God. Well, let me tell you something, folks. That will only that will only make your life less meaningful. Because the only way that we we can really have fulfillment in our life, and happiness, and joy, and meaning in our lives. Is to have that relationship with God. To allow Him to plant us in the earth of of this world. And to allow us to flower and bloom. And and become the people that we want to be. And then at the end of our lives to go and to be with Him eternally. That's a fulfilled life. Maybe your life is not that fulfilled right now. Let me tell you something. To make that commitment to Christ. And to put your... Your life into His hands. That's what you need to do if your life is not fulfilled. And I hope you'll do it today. Maybe you're looking for a church home to be a part of. We invite you to come and unite with our church. Or, or maybe you just need a time of prayer. We invite you to come and pray. If God's dealing in your heart in any way, we invite you to come. Would you? Would you come? few announcements I'd like to call to your attention this morning. Uh, first of all, you may notice we, we have a picnic scheduled for today and it's been raining this morning. Uh, so if it continues like this, we'll probably be moving our picnic indoors, but we will have it. Uh, so uh, we will be having that today at 4 o'clock, so we invite you to come and be a part of that. And along those lines, if, if some of you could hang around for a little bit after the worship service and help us move some of these uh, chairs around so we can have room for a picnic today. We would certainly appreciate that. Uh, you were also hopefully given a an interest survey when you came in this morning. Uh, our nominating team is beginning its work. And this is very important for our nominating team to, uh, to get this back from you so that we can have an idea of some of the interest that you have. Uh, in serving our church. I always tell people when they join the church that everybody can be a minister in this church. Every single one of us has, have some things that we can contribute. So please fill that out so we can uh, uh, plug you into the place that you feel like you need to be plugged into, and we would appreciate that. Uh, yesterday was a wonderful day at Sherway, and Friday was a wonderful day at Sherway. We had our, our uh, fundraisers uh, yesterday and Friday. So thank you to all the volunteers that helped with that. We do have some barbecued chicken uh, left over in the refrigerator back here, and uh, I think Sybil's going to go back. And if you would like to purchase a barbecued chicken, or ha- they're half chickens, and we're selling them for 2 or $3. And uh, if you would like to buy those, then go and see Sybil in the kitchen after the service, and, and uh, she'll take care of you there. And also, one other thing our, our finance team is um, starting a kind of a, a mini capital campaign, a kind of a two-month capital campaign. We're working at, at um, refinancing the, the loan that we have on our building here, and we're looking towards doing that towards the end of November. And uh, so for the next two months, we want to uh, collect as much money as we possibly can to apply to the principal of that loan, so we won't have to borrow that much money. And uh, that will do several things. For one thing, it will lower our payment every month. And it will also keep us from having to pay a lot of interest over the years to come on that amount of money. We would like to raise but somewhere between twenty dollars and $30,000 between now and Thanksgiving. And we can do that. Uh, we can do that. So hopefully everyone uh, will contribute what you can toward this cause. And this will help us out tremendously. Thank you so much for that. Let us us bow for our benediction. Let us go from this place praising God. For God has gained the victory. God has provided an escape from our enemies. And so we pray that we may go forth from this place healed, forgiven, and redeemed. May we go forth crowned and satisfied, And as God has treated us, may we treat one another. Amen.